right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the FearCast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, anxiety spectrum disorders, and getting your life back. I'm your host, Kevin Foss. I'm a licensed clinician specializing in OCD and anxiety disorders. Thank you all so much for joining me today for this episode. Uh, This episode is, uh, we've got an audio question for this one. So um, as you all know, I love audio questions. I think it has this personal touch. It makes it feel like, because it is, I was going to say, it makes it feel like that there are real people in the world who have uh, these questions. And there are real people in the world who have these questions. I sometimes get asked, like, do I make these questions up or do I like sprinkle it? No, I've never made up a question for the entire podcast ever in the entire five and a half years that I've been doing this never made one up. Um, so uh, I, I, I really appreciate and I've always wanted to have the podcast. I mean, ultimately, the, the fantasy was to have every question be an audio question. But um, uh, alas, we didn't get that going until later on. And it's going and it's great. So I I've greatly appreciate that. Uh, well, I think that today we're just going to kind of jump into it. So this is an audio question that comes from, uh, oh man, let me look up their name again. So they, they're they choosing, they, they sent me some options. Is it either they can go by ruminating on every subject, or excuse me, ruminating on every aspect of the past, and they put in brackets or something to that effect. So sure. And they sent me a follow-up and they said, or how about SOOCD for years, all caps, or am I actually just a repressed lesbian? So both of those are a mouthful. I could have gone by like Jane or like Rebecca or something like that. But, you know, as I've said before, you can send me the name that you want and I will probably use it unless it's something that is just wildly offensive. However, all those names are just a giant mouthful. So I'm going to go ahead and go with ruminating or ruminator. That sounds fine. So. This is a uh, a little bit of a doozy of a question, so I'm I'm um, I, I was actually a little intimidated to answer this. Um, I got this a couple weeks ago. I was intimidated to answer it, but um, I've listened to it a couple of times, and uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna jump into it. And I, I I'd love to hear. Gosh, if I could have this question as a as a group conversation, I think this would be fascinating. Um, but I'll just play it here. So this question comes from Ruminator. I'm going to play it here for us. Hello. Okay, I feel like I have extensive things to share, but I'm just going to share it. Um, so when I was a kid, so this is about sexual orientation, OCD, S-O-O-C-D, which I didn't know it was renamed, so thank you. Helps my my Googling and my ruminating. Um, when I was a child, I was like, I don't know. I don't even remember. I was like around maybe age five or six. I started doing like, you know, kissing play and I would call it sex play, but it's not sex play. It was like kissing play and with my stepsister at the time, which she was the same age. And I don't know what, it doesn't even matter what her, well, it matters what her thoughts were, but her feelings. But I know that I was very excited. Like I was sexually very aroused, but it, I didn't have a crush on her. I didn't long for her, but I was very aroused by the play. 
Um, so I always remember that feeling. And then I remember as I got older, you know, like I would have friends, but I knew that we wouldn't play those games because I'm like, no, I don't feel comfortable bringing that up, whatever. But it was always with girls. I think maybe with a couple boys, I had these excited feelings, but then they were like young boys and they were much more immature or whatever it is, but I didn't feel comfortable. Um... So then when I, I always remember when I was like 15, I had that excited feeling again. Like I wanted to do that play and I wasn't, maybe it was for my stepsister because I would go visit and we would always play like the games, but it was never a longing for her. It was just like that sexual arousal. But then I was like 15. I was like, no, like those games are not played anymore. You are 15. So I shut that down. Um, And then I'm almost 40 now and I've been thinking about this for years like it's been years and I remember I had like I think I was in my 20s and I worked it doesn't matter where I worked and a few of us girls went out to the bar and then after the bar I slept over at this girl's house and I wasn't even thinking about anything like that and then she invited me into her room and I got really excited I got sexually excited I was like oh god and she pulled out her vibrator and she wanted me to vibrate with her and I was like no like I didn't even though I was so aroused I didn't want to I shut it down and I was like I'm fucking gay I'm totally a les and it's like I feel like I've been not hiding it but like denying it like if these things come up I I'm like nope I'm not doing it I don't want to um and then I don't think I've ever like I had boyfriends But when we would have sex, I would not feel excited at all or aroused. I would be like, this is awkward. I don't like this. And I had bad sex for years, like just years. I was using boys and men as like um, for approval. And it was just bad, bad sex. And I never had good sex with guys. And I was never aroused. And I'm like, oh my God, there's another reason why I'm gay or I'm a lesbian. And I'm married now to a man. And we're just, we've been together for 12 years. Um just the sex right now like I I've read Emily Nagoski's book come as you are which has helped in terms of like okay like my husband and I have had sex and good exciting sex where I feel aroused and excited but it has to be in certain situations like we've been together for 12 years I'm sorry laying in bed on a Monday night doesn't you know rev my engines anymore but anyways I'm just going back to all of these experiences even sometimes I'll meet women and I'll like meet their eyes and I I don't get the excited feeling but I'm like I see desire in their eyes and I like feel that and then I start checking like are they gay like do they just like this checking it's obsessive it's ridiculous but anyways I'm I'm appreciating your podcast because it's like okay there's no right or wrong like your your mental compulsions blah 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 but I'm like okay I feel like me of all people I'm perhaps I've been suppressing my desires since day one and now I'm 40 and I'm in a heterosexual relationship like I find and then and then I'm like what the fuck what am I doing um I find men very sexy and hot but then when I get into bed it's like I don't feel anything like my heart's just like like nothing and I hate it I hate it so much please help me all right so thank you so much ruminator for sending in that question now I will say this I listened to this question a lot listen to this question a couple of times and I, man boy I'll tell you I couldn't help but notice that it sounded very very similar to a previous question so 
if you so you can go back to listen to question 169 and that was another audio question and it was a similar sort of format the voice sounds somewhat similar I was trying to see is this the same person who had messaged me then who is messaging me now with the same question or a similar question but but slightly differently now Folks with OCD would never, never send the same question in or ask the same question again in a slightly different way, just in case the first answer was not sufficient. Maybe if I ask it in this separate, this like twisted, slightly different kind of way, maybe then I'll get the answer that I really need or want or crave or OCD requires of me. Now, I'm not going to go as far as to say they are the same person because they had different names and different email addresses and different uh, Instagram uh, 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 handles, but gosh darn it, they sound similar. So... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat this as a different question um, as best I can. So I'm glad you sent in this question because I can be the first one to officially welcome you into the wonderful world of lesbianism. Um, it's confirmed. You've got to be. So case closed, everybody. Um, so I'm just going to um, uh, bring in the ending uh, music here. Um, no, that's not what I'm doing here, everybody. I'm wondering... Oh, man. This is a mean trick. I should not have done that, but yet I did it. So my, my answer is always going to be, first off, I, I, well, I don't know, and I'm not confirming that, that you are indeed a lesbian. And furthermore, I don't know if I'm exactly the right person to welcome you into that world, as it were. Um, so I, I, as I was listening to this, I wonder why is it that you sent me, why you, Ruminator, sent me that question? Me? the OCD podcaster, rather than someone like Dan Savage. Why didn't you send it to his podcast? So, it, it's, it's, it, it raises questions, right? So, you, you laid out a lot of information in your, in your question, right? You kind of played this, you know, kind of laid out your background about these, these events from the past and, and kind of how it, how it may be influencing or how it may be connected to your current um, sexual arousal, your current sexual response. And I get the feeling as if you're trying to say, see, here's all of this evidence that points to me truly being either gay or being bisexual, but either way, that I'm I'm not who I I I either want to be, you didn't really specify that, but either who I want to be or believe I am, and something is wrong, and I just, I need to get the answer. What do I do with all of this, right? Uh, am, I am I truly suppressing my desires, is what your question was. Am I putting, am I shoving down truly who I am, deep down who I am? And I don't know. I will say I don't know. But, it seems like well, here, here's here's what often will happen though, and maybe this is just what's what, what I'm I'm reading into this, because I, I I was intimidated by this going oh no it feels as if she's laying out all this information and all signs point to gay, but something that often happens and this often happens in the middle of an obsession is that what what an obsession often does is it takes a little bit of information. And takes that as everything. And then it takes all this other bit of information and casually ignores it. Does not bring it up. 
You are not in my office, Ruminator, for me to probe and ask these questions and trying to get more information. I'm willing to bet there's a lot more information going on than what it is that you had sent me. And that obviously makes sense, right? Because there's, you know, it's it's impossible to boil down someone's entire experience, an entire um, compulsive life, an obsessive life into a question for a podcast. So I have to assume there's a lot more going on here, a lot more feelings, a lot more thoughts, and a lot more experiences that probably need to be taken into account and looked at. So from the get-go, I hope that I'm going to, I'm going to, encourage you, if you are not already seeing a therapist, to start pulling these things out, right? So so you can start to get to maybe what an answer or the answer or a direction could be, all right? So I think it's interesting also in, in something you said, is you said um, you, you appreciate the, uh, the, the, the renaming or the, the notification of the rename from HOCD to SOOCD, so sexual orientation OCD. And then you promptly then said, it helps because it helps with my Googling and ruminating. That's a big red flag to me as the OCD therapist, and I hope it's a big red flag to everybody else. It's implying that something is going on where you are ruminating, going over and over and over about this topic, this question, and something doesn't fit right. Something isn't landing, and you're not getting the answers that you're wanting. So, obviously, email, call the, um, call the OCD therapist podcast. He'll give you an answer, right? Well, I'm probably not. I'm probably going to be disappointing. But I'm going to give you some things to think about. I'm curious. What did you want me to say? What were you hoping I was going to say? What information did you want me to provide? What were you were you looking for confirmation that you are gay? Are you looking for me to confirm that you are indeed bisexual? I wonder if that if that feels like a compulsion in the sense of saying I can't trust myself. I'm doubting the stories going through my mind. I'm doubting my experiences, my history of arousal, my history of relationships. And I've tried to give myself the answer, but it's not clicking. So I'm going to try to outsource my information to, or outsource my answers to Google, to Reddit threads, to other podcasts, to other people's experiences. And oftentimes, or to imagination, this is very this is very consistent with what OCD tends to do. It says I can't trust myself or my experiences because there is uncertainty or there is confusion because it doesn't quite fit into this neat and tidy box. So I feel uncomfortable and scared and nervous and worried and unsettled by deciding for myself and taking the risk that maybe I made the wrong choice, maybe. I'm something completely different. Oh, no. Let me go back to the drawing board. Let me find someone who will be able to give me the answer that I can't seem to convince myself of, or to say more specifically, to convince OCD of the answer. There is no convincing OCD of the answer. There isn't. And every effort we do to try to answer it for OCD, to give a firm answer, is going to just agitate it. 
And it'll say, all right, fine, maybe it's that, but what if? Or it'll say, yeah, but... You might say, and I'm willing to bet this happened. Hey, anxiety, I'm married to a man right now. Yeah, but remember that time. Dot, dot, dot. All right? All that does is it serves to undermine the experience that you've had or undermine the current uh, experience that you, you are, are living and who it is that you're perhaps identifying as or perhaps wanting to identify as, and it's throwing you through a loop. So again, it goes back to, why message me? You provide all this information, uh, but you also acknowledge that you have sexual orientation OCD, implying that you are anxious about your sexuality, and you have obsessive doubts about your sexuality. So the question I'm always going to look for, the question I always want to know when I, when I have a client in my office or someone who's messaging me on the podcast, where's the fear? Where's the anxiety? And what are the compulsions attempting to do? Okay? So I have a lot of questions. So if it comes down to being uncertain about your sexuality and not, and not really knowing, there can, be, I mean, there can be a lot of fears. Obviously, there's a lot of fears going on about one's sexuality. So some can, some, we, we've obviously heard stories about people having a, a repressed, uh, repressing their sexuality, repressing their uh, 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 homosexuality, repressing their bisexuality, whatever it might be. Okay? And we might do that, or someone, someone might do that for a very particular reason. There could be cultural reasons, there could be social reasons, there could just be pressures from, uh, you know, th there can be occupational uh, 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 pressures, right? Boy, I'll tell you, there are certainly places in the United States and places in the world that it, it doesn't go very well if you identify as anything other than heterosexual, so there's a lot of pressure from that perspective to maintain one's heterosexuality. But I wonder then for you, what, would, what are you afraid to be true if you were indeed gay? What are you afraid of being true if you are bisexual? What would you lose if you were confirmed not straight? Or what would it cost you to continue living your heterosexual life with your husband? And these are a lot of things to, to consider. And it, what, it, what, in my mind, it kind of speaks to is what's, what is holding you or what's pulling you back to this uh, drawing board? What's pulling you back to this rumination about your sexuality? And obviously, we need to consider maybe it has nothing to do with your sexuality, but has everything to do with OCD. Maybe it has nothing to do with who you are genuinely attracted to or turned on by or want to be with, but it is OCD casting doubt on who you are and who you believe yourself to be. A common question or a common OCD doubt with SOOCD can be, well, what if I don't really know myself? And what if I'm, in, what if I'm entirely something different or someone different? Right? It throws everything out the window. We kind of build our life on this assumption that we kind of know who we are. We think we are a certain type of person. We're into this. We do these things. We have these hobbies. We have this career. What if everything was different? <gasps> that would require a lot of change. That would mean that things would be different, and that can be scary. And either way, even if it's, even if it's just, even if it's, completely fine what the difference is, 
anxiety and OCD will latch onto that and produce that sense of fear. And we respond to that fear through compulsion, through avoidance, through rumination. And it sends this message that this thought, this consideration, this possibility is a problem and needs to be fixed. So once we go into the, the, the rabbit hole of trying to fix it, sometimes oh, we get that, to get that relief. Uh, even if the answer isn't fully complete, it still feels good enough. But then the anxiety starts to come back and your brain goes, yeah, but what about that one time? Like, oh my gosh, you're right. What about that one time? So you go back to the drawing board because what if that one time is going to completely unravel who I am? Or what if that one time reveals something about me? <gasps> That's terrible, isn't it? So we go back to the drawing board. And then once we find a, a, a satisfying answer, we feel okay. <sighs> and again, we get back to this cycle of saying, the only way for me to deal with the doubt and uncertainty questions that either OCD provides or just life has right? Life doesn't fit oftentimes into neat and tidy boxes. And that sucks. And that's a reality. So what we're ultimately trying to build here with you and with me and with everybody is tolerance of ambiguity, tolerance of not quite having all of the answers lined up in this nice, neat, tidy box. I'm saying, all right, maybe it's not going to fit into this box. Maybe it's going to be confusing. Weird. All right. There's a lot of things that are confusing and weird in life. And that's all right. That's okay. So how do we live with that or make space for that feeling? But then say, what's more important to me? What's meaningful for me? What's helpful for me? What brings me somewhat enjoyment? I'm willing to bet the rumination and the Googling doesn't really bring you joy, but you do it out of necessity, right? Okay. I'm, I, hopefully I'm not rambling too much. Okay, so, um, all right, so you gave the example that you were turned on when invited into the bedroom of a female friend, but then you shut it down, right? What was that fear about? Now, again, I'm asking this question, and there's no way I'm going to be able to get this answer, but you shut it down. How can you shut it down? What was the purpose of that? What was the thought behind that? What was the fear behind that? Were you afraid of discovering something true? Did you shut it down because, all right, you were turned on, but you weren't really into it, right? Something that you mentioned, and so what, what's, what's bringing to mind in this, and again, it could, it, it could be, oh my gosh, I need, I need to shut it down because I can't admit that I'm gay because, you know, I would lose my job in the rural South or my parents would judge me and hate me forever. Or I can't, I can't be gay because, um, you know, my religion forbids it. Right. Now that may be, that may be something, but again, all that would be something to process with a therapist and really unpack. You did not bring me that information. So I obviously am just going to have to make it up ruminator. Um, okay. So why'd you shut it down though? You, you commented, because as I was listening to this and, and you, you reminded me and I had the initial thought was, man, this person really needs to read Come As You Are. Um, for those of y'all who don't know, Come As You Are is a fantastic book. Um, oh, who is the name? Is it Nagatsi? 
I'm gonna Google it right now. Come as you are. <laughs> oh, <laughs> come as you are. Google promptly told me that's a song by Nirvana. All right, I know that. Okay. Um, yes, Emily Nagaski. Emily Nagaski. Okay, I got it almost right. So you said you read that book. Good. I will point you to the chapter to read again on arousal non-concordance. There was a lot of what you brought up here that seemed to reflect arousal non-concordance combined with OCD. Now, we've ta- I've answered questions like this in the past, and arousal non-concordance combined with, with sexual orientation OCD is overwhelming and is very scary. Okay, so arousal non-concordance for um, uh, for those who haven't heard about it, it's basically this idea that 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 sometimes the arousal that someone experiences, the sexual arousal that somebody has, is not always in connection with what and who and how they want to be aroused. And similarly, sometimes they are not aroused at times and with people and in situations when they would like to be aroused. So, the book points out that men have more of more of an overlap between what turns them on and what they would like to be turned on by. Um, Oh my gosh, I'm gonna probably mess it up in, in my quoting it too, but there, there's a lot more overlap uh, w- with men. With women, there's a lot less overlap. So they can, some folks can have, can be turned on, can be aroused at times when it quote doesn't make sense for them to be aroused or th- by things or at times when they don't want to be aroused. And similarly, they can not be turned on at times that they would like to. It talks about that there are these, and she she uses um, this language for us, and I think it's um, I think it's just language that is helpful to think about that there are accelerators towards arousal and there are breaks from arousal, right? So there are things that happen that really get us going and, and kind of accelerate us towards arousal. And it can be physiological arousal, it can be mental arousal, right? Uh, and I think maybe that's that, that's that overlap is sometimes that there is a mental arousal versus physical arousal. Sometimes there is a connection between the two, sometimes there is not a connection between the two, right? Meaning your body is turned on, but your brain really isn't into it. And you're going like, all right, my body's doing this thing. Um, I bring up this example for men, if they don't quite understand this, um, there's something that uh, 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 many men experience. It's called the NRB. It's the no reason boner. It is when you get physically aroused for no reason. Um, and it just kind of happens. It's not the funnest thing. It's kind of, it's mostly embarrassing. It will usually happen at a very, awkward or nonsensical time. Um, I distinctly have memories of being like in a college class and talking about statistics and then going, well, I can't really stand up right now because this is going to be awkward. Now, is that too much information? Probably, but guess what? We've talked about a lot more uncomfortable things on this podcast. Anyhow, so there is, so that's a reality and there's going to be that for for a lot of other people. Okay, so back to um, this. So there are going to be times that we are going to be turned on by things physically, but not mentally, right? Something about the situation doesn't seem to line up or doesn't fit us or doesn't fit our arousal. And there are going to be times when mentally you're totally into it, you want to be into it, but your body's just not complying. So I wonder if something to that effect was happening in that moment. Now I'm reading into this and all I'm doing is provoking questions for you to consider. 
And again, to consider with a therapist. Because you also then, I'm going to skip down in my notes, you also say you're currently married to a man. Okay. It would, you never said whether or not you were, you know, attracted to him at some point or whether you weren't. And, you know, that may be here nor there. But you said at times, you know, at, at, there have been times when you've had great sex and times that you have not had great sex. And you said, you know, things started to get good. I think you had like, uh, uh, you were able to have arousing sex under specific circumstances. So to me, in my ears, what that speaks to is perhaps a sense that, that under those specific circumstances, that's that's when the accelerators were all moving in the right direction, and and we were able to tr- or you and your partner were able to turn off those brakes, right? So something to consider in that is like maybe some of those are, some of those elements of arousal or some of those brakes for a lot of people can be, you know, not not feeling like uh, like feeling uneasy about the kids waking up, feeling uneasy about work. Feeling uneasy about you know the the environment of of kind of the, the the sex that you're about to have. There's something unsettling about it, whatever it might be. Right? It can it can be a laundry isn't folded, and that's that's what for whatever reason that is serving as a break towards arousal. Now, under those specific specific circumstances, you are able to have arousing sex. Great. I wonder if. Looking at some of those and looking at looking at whether or not there were breaks going on or whether or not there were adequate adequate accelerators going on would help with this. And then similarly, I wonder if you're noticing that you are aroused that you are aroused by women, but mentally it doesn't quite fit for what it is that you're wanting, for what it is that feels consistent with who it is that you are. Now, in the world that, now again, as we talked about, and as the book goes into much more detail than I ever can, um, it would show, a, a, again, another um, discrepancy between uh, your your body and brain. What uh, it, Again, the non-concordance, right? It is not in alignment with what it is that you are wanting, and it is confusing as heck, right? Okay, so something that is something to consider and something to look further into. But until then, there is still this question of, I don't know. So, I also ruminator don't have this answer for you and there's no one person out there who's going to be able to give you that answer but i do know that your compulsions the googling the ruminating the checking the evaluating what your body is doing the evaluation of what other people are doing and maybe thinking is exhausting to you but again it feels important doesn't it it feels important to figure that out what does it cost you if you let go of those compulsions? What will you be at risk of? Will you be at risk of discovering that you're gay? Will you be at risk of not knowing who you are and having this just question mark live over your head for the rest of your life? Will you feel unsettled? Will you feel that you just don't truly know yourself? What's so bad about that? Will you feel like the bottom is going to fall out at any point that you're just kind of walking on eggshells in your life. And at some point you're going to step on something. And by step on something, I mean, just see the perfect woman across the way and 
boom, everything, you just, it opens the floodgates and you go, I'm a lesbian. And you just discover this about yourself. And you're like, I need to move to San Francisco. I don't know what you're doing. And this is a terrible stereotype. But is that what you're worried about? Or is it, oh my gosh, I'm gay. And I, and my whole life is now turned upside down. I have to, I have to divorce my husband. I have to make all these changes and all this stuff, right? Now, first of all, I'll say this. One, I don't know if that's what's going to happen. Two, who's to say any of that needs to happen? I'm willing to bet part of your rumination is about what's going to happen in the future if and when blank happens. Those are common mental compulsions about the future in your crystal ball reading. And you know who's really good at reading the future? No one. No one. We're all kind of guessing. But OCD seems to think that if you just think about it enough, you think about hard enough, you'll get to that answer and you'll finally feel safe and comfortable. OCD won't let you feel safe and comfortable. Instead, we need to practice feeling unsafe and uncomfortable and kind of letting that feeling be there. So my encouragement to you is going to be note all those times that you are checking, all those times that you are ruminating, all those times that you are Googling, and think, what would it take, what would it mean for you to redirect your focus? If you're looking for specific information on how to help with rumination, um, I'll point you to Michael Greenberg's um, writings. This is, the, this is his bread and butter. This is his jam. Check out some of his stuff. It's very, very good. Very, very helpful. He's been on my podcast a couple of times. He's been on the OCD Stories podcast a couple of times. Find that information that could be incredibly helpful. But it's going to come to, would you be willing to take the risk to not do those compulsions and to observe what changes or to observe what happens? Does your anxiety come down after a period of time? If you don't do that, how long will it take for you to fully discover that you are indeed gay? Can you wait a day before doing a check? Can you wait a week before doing another Google search? How long can you resist? And again, we're saying, all right, brain, we're going to show ourselves. We're going to, we're going to allow ourselves to be uncomfortable to disconfirm this connection that my Googling is going to give me the answer. It's not going to try to disconfirm that you we're trying to confirm that you can in fact handle the uncertainty and that you can continue to live your life and continue to have a productive, meaningful, forward moving and fulfilling relationship with your husband. Again, if that's something that you you want to be doing. And again, I'm throwing out I'm, I'm I set up this very beautiful thing and they just promptly smashed it and said, "Well, what if you want to?" Well, your brain's going to say, "But do I want to?" Yeah. Is it meaningful for you to continue on in this relationship? Are you open to, you know, are you open to staying in this commitment? If that's something that is meaningful for you and maybe discovering something that's scary. So it's always going to come down to, are you willing to pull back on those compulsions and be in that discomfort? And through that, you discover something happens great. Now we have an answer. Now it's no longer uncertainty. It's now we have the answer. Or that nothing happens and that this is just what life is. 
Secondly, I would say, would you then consider, let's say you are, let's say you're willing to pull back on those compulsions, and then you're saying, man, but I still don't have the satisfying sex. Okay, would you be willing to then commit to the relationship and pursue maybe uh, uh, couples counseling or pursue counseling with a specific sex therapist to talk about those accelerators and those breaks to arousal? And think about what are those specific, specific, gosh, why is that word so hard? Specific circumstances that lead you to sometimes feeling comfortable and sometimes not feeling comfortable, right? And would you be willing to have, even in a time where you feel aroused, perhaps by your husband, aroused by men, to also maybe, maybe have a thought about women and notice that your body is feeling turned on by women? Say, all right. Those are part of my accelerators. Oh, brain, you do the silliest things. So again, I don't have the answer for you about your sexuality. And no one does. What we do, what I what I can encourage you to consider doing is looking at those compulsions that you're doing, and before you quote make a decision, I say that in a silly way because as if to say there's a time that you're going to go, you know what? I'm straight, and I'll be this way forever. Or, you know what? I'm gay, and I'll be this way forever. I, we, we don't know. All we know is right now, those actions are driven by fear and anxiety and uncertainty. Hold back on those. Resist those. Minimize those. Delay the amount of t- delay the time between the anxiety spiking to when you Google. Delay the amount of time uh, from when the anxiety hits to when you give into a, a, a self reassurance, and be willing to have unwanted, unpredictable, and sometimes undesired feelings, they're going to show up. And above all, if you haven't done it already, I would encourage you to. Go talk to, to a therapist and unpack some of this stuff. So I think, I think we'll call it quits here. So again, Ruminator, thank you so much for this question. Hopefully it wasn't too dissatisfying. And hopefully it points you in the direction of some things to think about um, uh, ongoing and to chat about with a therapist, chat about with a trusted friend, to chat about with your husband uh, moving forward. So again, thank you so much for this question and letting me be a part of, uh, of your recovery story. Thank you for listening to the FearCast. If you would like your question answered on a future episode, please click on the Submit a Question link at fearcastpodcast.com. If you would like your question answered sooner, please send me a recording of your question to questions at fearcastpodcast.com or by sending me an audio message through Instagram by DMing me at fearcastpodcast on Instagram. If you like the FearCast, please write a review on your podcast platform of choice. Please remember that the FearCast is not substitute for psychotherapy. If you need a little bit of help in your recovery, please go over to fearcastpodcast.com and click on the Find Help link, and there's going to be some information for you there. So until next time, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye. Mm-hmm.